0: He's back like a bad rash. Legendary broadcaster, Drew Marshall. Everybody's singing you know it you know it um we're back thank you for tuning in you are listening to the drew marshall show k warren is our next guest and then Jay warner wallace author of cold case christianity a homicide detective investigates the claims of the gospels i'd rather talk about dead bodies with him is that bad no well, um, we have a Skype call uh, there, Timmy, so All right, yeah. I wanted to uh, find out about, I don't know, someone named Kay Warren. Kay, I don't know much about her, but I think she's on the line with us. Kay, are you there? Houston? Hello, Houston.
1: As in Houston, we have a problem?
0: <laughs> yes, we do have a problem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm here. Um, thank you for joining us. I want you to tell us about your day. Let's just get really benign and boring I want you to tell us about what's happening today for you.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, let's see. I got up. I um, had a quiet time with God. I needed to do a little catching up. It's been a couple busy days. I walked a couple of miles. I cleaned up my house, which was a total disaster. I um, trotted down here to my office to do a Skype call with some unknown Canadian radio host. <laughs> that. <laughs> That <laughs> that I think I saw you advertised in I don't know what is it that Sky Mall magazine don't they have ads for that in- and <laughs> really <laughs> and I find myself talking to you and your buddy there so and then I have I'm meeting with um, some folks I have church later today and get ready for my granddaughter's birthday pool party at my house tomorrow so that's today
0: wow. What is what is um, relaxing and uh, chilling out and restoring your you know filling your tank up? What does that look like for for the pastor's wife that you are? And if, I mean, this is sort of I, I I'm we got to talk about this book Sacred Privilege: Your Life and Ministry as a Pastor's Wife. So, how do you model that for others other pastors' wives? Or or let me just throw this out there. Or are you also the kind of person that writes about how you suck at recharging your batteries and as a pastor's wife, you're, you go into this state of, I don't know, oblivion because you're just firing on all cylinders all the time. What do you do?
1: <laughs> um, no, I actually think I do pretty well at this. There's other things I don't do as well, but um, I, I am an introvert. And so being out in the, in the public and having a pretty public life and a pretty intense life, means that I have to um, really slow down also because I'm still in um, grief um, with my son's death four years ago. It's I know people think you should just kind of be over it by now or whatever, but, you know, I'm never going to get over it, and um, I, have to, I have to allow time and space for grief. So like right now, like I said, I'm going to church today on Saturday because we have church um, services Saturday and Sunday. And in my younger days as a pastor, what, pastor's wife, I used to go to every service we had. And um, about, you know, we've been here 37 years, and probably probably 15 years ago, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror as I was coming and going, you know, burning the candle at both ends, and thought, this is ridiculous. I don't have to go to every service. And um, so I go on Saturdays, and that means on Sunday, I actually have the house to myself, and it is pure bliss i sit outside um fortunately because of where we live we've got great weather and so i can sit outside most of the year and sit in silence i listen to birds call to each other i study the intricacy of a single flower i watch clouds go by i mean i'm content to li- literally just be in science i have this mug that i only use for my tea on sundays it says easy like sunday morning
0: nice. even, <laughs> yeah it's
1: a bit tongue-in-cheek because that's just not usually, you know, um, what we think about for a, a Sunday for a pastor's wife. But um, yeah, I i mean, I, I love to be in nature. I read. I sit quietly. I watch Netflix. I take a hike. I really do. And Rick and I have always taken Mondays off as, as long as we've been married. We've always taken Mondays off together. So that is one area of my life that I think I really do pretty good at.
0: Okay. When you're Getting ready to go to the compound, right? The big, the big Saddleback compound of seven hundred acres. Of how big is your place again? I
1: think it's, I think it's one hundred and thirteen. Okay. So you were only off by a few. <laughs>
0: um, when you're getting ready to go to the compound, and all of a sudden you get out of the car and oh, it's K. Warren! Oh, geez, that's K. Warren! And everyone, yeah, it's K. Warren! And you're not feeling like being K. Warren. Right at that moment, you just do not want to be K. Freaking Warren. What do you do to get your head into the right place? Do we, and, some, and actually, what I really want to know is, do you go, you know what? I'm not showing up today. I'm staying home, because that's how bad my funk is in my head.
1: The only time I've done that is um, in the first year after Matthew died, um, because I, I didn't even go to church for four months. Uh, Rick, Neither Rick nor I went to church for four months. Um, because being out in the public, having people, even though they loved us and were kind to us and wanted to just express, you know, their sorrow and their, their, um, the fact that they were caring for us, it just was too much. I mean, I was doing good to get out of bed and brush my teeth. So I, we didn't feel any guilt at all in staying home for four months and just being quiet and, um, not being out in public um and i i always sat on the front row um all these years in ministry not because not because i thought i should but it was two reasons one because it gave rick a lot of support and secondly it allowed me to catch his eye when he was saying something he shouldn't say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um or shake my head or just kind of go oh really seriously warren um so (laughs) Yeah, so it served it served two purposes through these years, um, but but after Matthew died, I didn't want to be on the front row. I didn't I didn't want that kind of attention. I didn't want. I, I, it's not that I felt embarrassed. I just simply couldn't deal with it. So I started sitting when I did come back to church. I started sitting in the on uh, like the back rows, surrounded by my kids, other kids, my and uh, grandkids, and friends. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of like this posse around me. They were a protective shield. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine. But I don't stay home just cuz I'm in a snit or something. I don't do that.
0: You've ne- really? No. So okay, so what do you do when you're when you are actually in a snit or Rick has been a jerk or you're just in some foul mood for whatever reason? What do you do to pull your head out of your butt?
1: Well, I don't punish the people in my church for my bad day. Um, you know, I don't it's not their fault, and even if it was, that's Ultimately, between me and God, and not them. Right. And so um, I I go because I that was this is what God has asked me to do, and uh, my life and my joy are not dependent. I mean, I've had to learn this not dependent on what other people do or say. And um, I go because I want to worship God, not necessarily because I want to be with those people. And even when I don't feel in a mood to worship God. Um, it's really not about my feelings in that sense. Um, you know, right. if you live by that, then I would probably get out of bed only fifty percent of the time because I'm pretty moody. I'm pretty <laughs> melodramatic.
0: Are you? I'm, hold on, hold on. Are you an Enneagram four?
1: I've never done that. I've never taken that test. I, I am. I'm an Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh school of personality. You I'm an are.
0: Eeyore. Ah. Yeah. Ah. An Eeyore. Wait, wasn't he an ass?
1: Uh, oh gosh, and it starts. What? A donkey?
0: Come on, really? Yeah, Come no, on. It's the proper context. Listen, you Jesus Jesus rode in on a donkey, so if God can you, use an ass, then he can use Benny Hinn or Kay Warren or Drew Marshall, right? I
1: love that you put the three of us together.
0: So class. <laughs> You're fun. You are fun. All right, uh, well, folks, let me just uh, start this again. A couple of weeks ago, Kay joined us on our Mother's Day special during that interview, uh, well, um, Kay and I Kay and I, got into our usual, you know, no holds barred brother-sister banter thing uh, with, I would say, Kay winning round number one. <laughs> no question. I'm so
1: glad you can acknowledge that, because oh, I really did. Oh,
0: I can not only acknowledge it, I can actually prove it. This is how you won round one.
1: What's the guy who's sitting in the studio with you? What's the other guy's name?
0: Tim the Tool. Yeah, baby. Hey,
1: Tim, yes, would I'm you th- ask me a question? Oh, uh,
0: What? What? <laughs> What's wrong with that question? It's a stupid question. (laughs) How do you how do you really feel? Okay, just share it with us. How you really feel?
1: That is a stupid. I have never been asked a more stupid question. (laughs) You win.
0: Uh, (sighs) My life is complete. There we go. Nice. (laughs) No, I just you know, as a guy, listen. There are there are mothers that go into churches. And they continue to mother the same way they would mother at home, but is there not different kind of social Drew, boundaries? Drew, and th- no, true. What? Drew, Drew, Screaming kids so in church.
1: So we could be talking about, and you're we wasting our time talking about nonsense.
0: <laughs> All right, fine.
1: Pick a better question.
0: Okay, <laughs> there you go. I'm not sure if you're able to hear any of that. We had to change.
1: I, well, what I, I actually don't think I've ever been quite that mm, direct with an interviewer before. Really. I, no, I don't think so. Well, but then then there aren't many people who ask some of the inane questions that <laughs> you do. Preach, girl. Preach. What Preach. What i decided is that you call out the great white snark in me, you know? Yes. <laughs> the great white snark. i got to write
0: that down. I think I might have a spiritual gift of yes. calling, calling that great white snark out of most people. Get in your cage, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> That was too so funny. Anyway,
1: if if I you know crossed the line, I'm sorry, not sorry. Yo, but
0: whatever, whatever. You know there ain't no stinking line with... All right, listen. In Sacred Privilege, Kay Warren confirms that being a pastor's wife does not mean being perfect. By the way, we're talking about her book, uh, Sacred Privilege. Uh, More vulnerable than ever, which is hard to believe, Kay Warren reveals the brokenness that resulted from childhood molestation, the allure of pornography, intense marital conflict and temptation, as well as depression, and a distorted view of her worth. I want to stop there for a second, Kay. Um, I just did a big talk with a group of people where... um, I took out a fifty dollar bill and asked the group who wants it and then I kinda horked up a big loogie and spit it in my hand and rolled the fifty dollar bill in it and said who wants it and then I stepped on it and kicked on it, who wants it and then I put the fifty dollar bill in a in a little Ziploc bag filled with dog poo and mushed it all together and asked who wants You know where I'm going with the worth thing, right?
1: Yes, I do.
0: All right. So people have been crapped on and people have done crappy things and looked at themselves in the mirror and been filled with shame and guilt and all sorts of, you know, that's just, that's who we are as people. So I'm guessing that you're all over your self-worth problems because you found Jesus. He's the now the Lord of your life. And you've been born again and you've been cleansed and washed in the blood and you don't have self-worth issues now because you've shattered the lies you believe about yourself with the truth that God says about you. Am I am I close?
1: <laughs> oh, I, I can't I can't even think of anything to come back with on that because it's actually it, it no I'm not that is not true for me I still struggle with um, feeling adequate and feeling enough and feeling um, gifted and feeling sometimes like I I was you know standing behind the door when God handed out gifts and. You know, I, I actually know I'm an ordinary person, but it really took me a long time to accept that. And, and there are still days that I wrestle with that. And, you you know, you alluded to it, and I want to really be serious on this for just a second, because I know that with my son's um, severe mental illness and um, others who might be listening, it's it's not really a joke to feel shame, mm-hmm. and most of us do feel shame, mm-hmm. but we're ashamed that we feel shame, so we don't want to talk about feeling ashamed. And I know that he um, had a very intense self-loathing and I have experienced that at, at different points where you look in the mirror and you just go you are such a screw-up I hate you you know why why can everybody why does everybody else have it together and you don't and um, I, I, I will say that I have felt that at times I know my son felt that and I think if most people would be really be willing to be that vulnerable we, we'd all say we've had at least one moment like that. And so um, for me, it's been a long struggle to, to completely believe that, that God chose me to be an ordinary person. I wish I was prettier. I wish I was smarter. I wish that I had more gifts. I wish that I could, you know, have conversations with um, astrophysicists and stuff and, and make sense of it. But I can't. And I've, I've kind of settled in on the place that um, I really do know that I am God's beloved and that's what pulls me through on the days when I don't like who I am, when I wish I was different, when I wish that, um, yeah, when I wish everything about me was different and better than it is. I, I'm, I'm learning more and more just to really settle into that. I, I know that I'm God's beloved girl, and um, I can handle just about anything else if I can, if I can come from that. I don't always succeed, yeah, but yeah. That's, that's where I'm learning to kind of hang my soul.
0: Um, Okay, here is a website, kwarren.com, kwarren.com, and of course that's who we're speaking with, and uh, Kay's latest book is called Sacred Privilege, Your Life and Ministry as a Pastor's Wife. Um, Kay, did you have an affair?
1: No, I did not, but I I could have um, if I had made a few different choices— when Rick and I, after we got married and, and really quickly descended into marital hell, it just, there was nothing good about it. Um, and then we moved to Texas, from California, Texas, for Rick to go to seminary. And he was going to class full time and speaking on the weekends in small churches around Texas. And I was working. I was, you know, paying the bills. And um, so at this place I worked, my ele- the elevator door opened onto my desk. And so I saw everybody on that floor coming in and out and probably only been there a day and a half when the elevator opened and the most gorgeous piece of man flesh walked out that door toward my desk. And, um, I mean, I was like a seventh grade school girl. My palms were sweaty. I mean, my stomach was queasy. It was just like, I just had this crush on him instantly. And, um, you know, like I said, we were doing terrible in our marriage and, um, didn't, had no hope felt like we were stuck with each other for life because we'd made this commitment but but boy we were miserable and um this guy was just so stinking gorgeous and um so i started making up these you know reasons why i had to walk by his cubicle <laughs> and why i had to happened to have the lunch at this what do you know we're in the lunchroom at the same time and and it just really it was like a schoolgirl thing and um but one day, I I walked past his office and he was talking to his wife. I figured that out pretty quickly. And he was swearing at her. He was mad at her. I mean, he was treating her like an absolute jerk. And it's like somebody took this little pin and and burst that bubble for me. And it's like I saw him for what he was. He was he was good looking as the day is long, but he was a jerk. And um, I think it scared me a lot because I realized that what if he had responded to me you know here I was being flirtatious and you know trying to and making it kind of clear that I was interested in him which was just absurd because I love Jesus and yet I had this fantasy for this guy and um but what if he had responded you know what if he had picked up on all of that and decided that that he wanted to pursue me I mean I really put my marriage at risk and I really put my entire future and I talk about in the book everything I would have lost if I had um if that fantasy had continued and actually been met with a response from him, I would have had to make a decision of whether I was going to stay connected to my marriage or um, kind of throw it away.
0: Wow, you, I, you please, please, please do the enneagram uh, test because I, I just well, basically, I want to be right. I want, I think you're a four. Um,
1: All right, I will take it.
0: Yeah, I think you're a ten. Oh, nice, Tim. <laughs> nice. nice, nice. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Well done. Right. That was pathetic. Um. Yeah. Okay, so I guess, what do you say to to the pastors, and we'll finish with this, what do you say to the pastors' wives out there whose humanity is getting in the way of their ministry? Do you know what I mean well, by that?
1: Yeah, I do. And and the fact is, I want to just, you know, circle around back to this. The, the thing is, that wasn't the last time I've been attracted to somebody other than Rick, because... I'm a human being. I—that's—we I, are attracted to people all the time. It doesn't mean that it has to go anywhere. What it—what happens, I think, is that Christians, in particular, get really careless with this, and they have a lot of fantasy land affairs, if you will, in their mind, um, without actually acting it out. But what it does, even though you could say, well, hey, nothing happened. I mean, we never—I mean, nothing happened physical. Nothing. We never even got near each other. Um, and he never even responded back to me. So how could that really be wrong? Well, because what it did is it pulled me away from my husband. It pulled me away from working on my marriage. It, it, it took the, the energy and the passion that I needed to rebuild my marriage and put it into somebody else. And so what Rick and I have learned through the years is, of course, I mean, there are going to be women that he's attracted to. There's going to be men I'm attracted to. But what, it's what we do with it. We don't let it sit around in our minds and we don't play. We don't start building these fantasy things. We don't let ourselves get emotionally attached to people other than each other. And we take all of that that drive and that energy and that passion and put it back into our relationship. That's the only way I know what to do with it because you can't it, – it's silly to deny that it exists, What. It's real to say hey I feel this but but you're the one I've chosen you're the one that I've invested you're the one I'm committed to and so I'm going to put this back into our relationship Christians play around here way too much yeah. and and some of them you know some some go too far you know some then don't deal with their thoughts don't deal with their attractions and before long it's 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 a full-blown emotional affair where you're falling in love with this other person and then from there it's just you know one tiny little, Flip and you're you're in a physical relationship and um, and then you've got to rebuild and repair what you just destroyed.
0: Well, gee, I mean, we're not going to do this because I don't want I don't want it to get weird. But we could easily do a part three. And here's the reason we could do a part three: because finally, someone wrote a book about the stuff that you have that you are talking about. Somebody, you know, you have written with the same vulnerability that I saw in you so many years ago. Uh, and I, this is the thing I just really dig about you guys. You know, I, I don't like liking pastors. I don't.
1: (laughs) I know. I do know that.
0: Okay. But you guys, I don't know. I just, you know what? Here's the thing. I use this analogy too much, but, um, I compare God's love and, and and you guys in my life, you're both the same thing. You're like snot. You know when you get a booger in your finger and you try to flick it and it doesn't go away and it goes from one finger to the next to the next? Na- I can't get rid of you guys.
1: Just wipe it on the wall and be done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well,
1: family's <laughs> <My yeah. laughs> always did. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> no, I hear you. And I actually think that's a good thing. And I really think that without trying to over spiritualize, I actually just think that's the way God is. God is a pursuer. God pursues and God is pursuing you and everybody else because his you are so stinking beloved of him and he's not gonna let you go and he's not gonna let anybody else go. And that's what he does. And that's I think why I hang on so tightly to him is because I know that when I have wanted to let go, um, when I have wanted to let go, when I have wanted to make him get off my finger like that booger <laughs> you're talking about. Um, if, if I know he's not
0: going to let go. Yeah. He's not going to let go. Kay Warren, author of Sacred Privilege, Your Life and Ministry as a Pastor's Wife. The website is KayWarren.com. Kay, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. And uh, I think I won round two.
1: <laughs> How about a draw?
0: Okay. All right. Fine.
1: All right. Good to talk to you guys.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. Ah, she's fun. Good value right there. value value I say short break stay with us
1: I'm paying my dues to make it